Hello, my lovely listeners. I'm Dr. Mary Barson. And I'm Dr. Lucy Burns. Welcome to this episode of Real Health and Weight Loss. Good morning, Mares. How are you this morning? I'm very well, Dr. Lucy. I am dealing with the five-day lockdown in Victoria and all the uncertainty associated with that, but I'm doing okay. How are you? Well, I've got a little secret. I actually love lockdown. I just love the sort of bunkering down that comes with it. But I recognise that lots of people find it extremely distressing. And I think part of the distress is that uncertainty that you mentioned. So it's not just uncertainty, I guess, for me and my family and you and your family, but this communal uncertainty. And in fact, I'd go so far to talk about a global uncertainty. It's quite frightening for people. Yes, indeed, we have to be able to deal with with the uncomfortableness of not knowing what's going to happen. And in many ways that can be like dealing with the uncomfortableness of uncertainty can be even more uncomfortable than dealing with something that is certain but unpleasant. Oh, totally. People say that all the time. They go, I don't, I don't care what the answer is, I just want to know. And yes, that period where we've got a, you know, might like we're waiting perhaps to see if we're if lockdown's finished, that's the bit that they find difficult. Anyway, we're digressing because I think we've got a really fabulous topic to talk about today. And the thing that I guess brought it to a head is that last was last year, it might have even been the year before, there was a study published or a paper released talking about the best diet globally, so the best diet for everybody. And, you know, I found this really interesting. And I guess, you know, Mayors, you as a biochemist in particular, I'm wanting to know what your thoughts are on the one, air quotes, perfect diet for our planet. Yeah, there, drumroll please, the perfect human diet is... There is no perfect human diet. And indeed, those lists, they get published almost yearly. The, uh, you know, the best diets, um, they bring out lists and lists and lists of them. The truth is that there is no one perfect diet for every single human on this planet. And there is not one particular diet that we should all be adhering to. It just doesn't exist. And it doesn't exist because we humans are all so different. You know, we're different as individuals, we're different across the continents and, you know, we're different races. We all have really, really different needs. We're different ages, we're different activity levels. You know, know, for example, for some people, eating red meat is an extremely nutritious thing to do. But if you've got a genetic, a uh, really common genetic condition called hemochromatosis, then eating lots of red meat is really bad for you. Dairy can be extremely nutritious, unsweetened dairy. But if you've got a dairy protein intolerance or you're uh, lactose intolerant, then dairy's a very bad idea indeed. It could be that if you've got metabolic flexibility that you can have a diet quite high in carbohydrates and be absolutely fine and thin your entire life but if you're someone who has got insulin resistance 
then a diet high in carbohydrates will cause weight gain and can be very dangerous to your health indeed. People from Japan, um, on average, they have got a lot more of this particular bacteria in their gut microbiome that creates enzymes that helps break down seaweed. So they, as a society, are much better at breaking down and getting nutrients from seaweed, whereas people not in Japan often find seaweed quite hard to digest. So enormous differences individually and globally. So there is no one perfect human diet. Yes, I do find it fascinating in that people... There is a lot of what we call dietary dogma and almost religious ideology or zealotism about people's attachment to a particular way of eating and the idea that their way, it's their way or the highway, it just isn't true. So I don't know if you've got some examples that you can think of where, and and again, I guess the things that I'm thinking of is certainly the vegan or plant-based diet versus the well, at one extreme, the carnivore diet or, you know, dial it back a bit down, but even a low-carb lifestyle, people have really, you know, they almost get into biffos on social media about whose diet is the best and all of those sorts of things. What are your thoughts on that, Mez? People <laughs> definitely do get into biffos. I've been, I've been drawn into one. So I think when I just I posted an interesting article about the, the health effects of some of the phytonutrients in in broccoli and I had people accusing me of being a extremist vegan involved in vegan propaganda, which was quite strange and affronting because I certainly would not consider myself a vegan propagandist. But yes, people have very, very no. strong views <laughs> on, on diet. And and it's not is not just um, individuals, it's it's also it's health professionals. I mean I have just I've put forth an argument that there is no one perfect human diet however there is just one set of dietary guidelines so from a governmental point of view we are all encouraged to eat this one diet essentially or follow the same sort of set of guidelines which really don't serve us all equally well no and i think the really really important thing about the guidelines is that people need to understand these guidelines then form the basis of the menus that are served in hospitals, in childcare centres, in aged care facilities. The companies providing the food or food products, as I often call them, are following these guidelines they're mandated to. But again, how can you have a guideline that is what people eat in hospital when the large proportion of people in hospital are unwell and um, have, you know, particular needs or in our current obesity epidemic, the large proportion of people in hospital are actually insulin resistant. So feeding people in hospital toast and cereal for breakfast is going to be very unhelpful for them. Absolutely. And this is the real tragedy, I think, behind the current advice, the current dietary guidelines. They aren't necessarily following the best science available and they matter. They really, really matter because they do inform the policies of institutions like schools and hospitals and the armed forces. I mean, what they feed their people is based on what the official dietary guidelines 
suggest that they should. And it is horribly sad but true that um, we've mentioned this before, but the, our current dietary guidelines in Australia and across the world are not based on the absolute best science. So, Mez, I think there's a, there's quite a few people who have been advocating change for our current Australian guidelines. And I can think of two off the top of my head, but I'm sure you're, and you're aware of them. Would you like to explain to our listeners who they might be and, and what their thoughts are? Yes. So two wonderful humans in Australia who have been campaigning for our Australian dietary guidelines to be better informed by the available science. And that is to, to actually be able to help Australians. One is Belinda Fetke, who has done fantastic research looking into the political and industry forces behind what has shaped the current dietary guidelines. A lot of what she's uncovered is quite uncomfortable and shocking, but certainly well worth reading and looking into. And the other fabulous human is Dr. James Mueki, who is last year's Australian of the Year and who has been campaigning tirelessly to have the dietary guidelines updated so that they better serve Australians, particularly Australians with type 2 diabetes. And I would put into that group also all Australians with insulin resistance and metabolic disease to get better advice because the current dietary guidelines are not only unhelpful, but they can actually be harmful to these people. I'm one of them. I'm an insulin resistant human because insulin resistance and type 2 diabetes can be reversed with the right dietary advice. Totally. Totally. And you know what, Mez? It can make me so mad. I, you know, I often talk about my high horse. I've actually got a whole herd of high horses and I like to jump on them every now and then and bang on about the idea that, you know what, Australians' health is being compromised for the sake of money. Because when Belinda has done a whole lot of her research, a lot of the Forces involved in, in forming the guidelines are what we call vested interest groups. And these have their agenda. Some of their agenda, weirdly, is religious ideology. And I'm sure Australians would be quite shocked as a, you know, we're not a particularly religious country to recognize that some of our beloved icons of food, wheat bicks in particular, is driven by a company whose primary agenda is religious. Interestingly, religious veganism, for want of another word. But probably even more obvious is actually just the money that's involved with a lot of these processed food companies. And and it is quite tricky. Like I know James Mwaki has been campaigning very hard for a sugar tax. It would seem reasonably obvious for people like you and me, Mayors, to think, well, you know, why aren't we just doing that? But the reason is that it's money and votes and money, votes, power, religion, they're heavily involved in shaping our guidelines and somewhere down the bottom of all of this is health and that message has been lost. To the detriment of us all, particularly to the detriment of Australians with insulin resistance, problems with weight gain, obesity, fatty liver, and type 2 diabetes. 
One of my other little horses, well, giant Clydesdale that I jump on every now and then, is also, I guess, the virtue signaling of plant-based diets where the idea is that of you, if you eat meat, you're mean and cruel, and if you eat plants, you're holier than thou. Now, I know that not everyone is in that camp, okay, so I hope I haven't offended anybody. But what that's the message that is being delivered from many of these plant-based food companies that are making things like uh, vegan meats, the I can't believe it's not chicken or whatever it's called, these products are not good for you as a person. And if they tell you that they're good for the environment, they're telling porkies. They're highly processed, using a lot of energy, a lot of power, a lot of, you know, petrol to deliver them, packaging. They're not making this to save the planet. They're making these to make a buck. And why aren't they healthy products, Lucy? Why why wouldn't be eating my my fake meat burger be good for my body? If you're eating a veggie burger and it's a veggie burger that may be made from chickpeas and some carrots and some potatoes and some turmeric or cumin or something like that, that's perfectly healthy for people that have no insulin resistant who can tolerate all of those foods and probably very delicious And that is not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is when you go to a supermarket and you'll see something in a plastic packet, often right next to the meat, and it's called, you know, I don't know what it's called because I never look at it, but it's called something. And when you turn over on the back, you will see a list of maybe up to 23 different ingredients to make this product. Now, a lot of these ingredients, highly processed, are packaged in plastic. They have 23 different ingredients, including emulsifiers, preservatives, additives. If you have a look, there'll be numerous numbers on the pack. And really, you know our philosophy that real food in its most basic form, as close to its most basic form, is what our human body is designed to eat. It is designed to be able to break down those products, not something that is made in a factory. So, Mez, what are your thoughts? What would you say to somebody who really does want to do carnivore or want to do a plant-based diet? What are your thoughts or what are our thoughts at Real Life Medicine? Great question. So our thoughts are that first and foremost, the food that you eat should be real, real food, food as close as possible to its natural form, when it was taken from the plant or the animal. And that is our number one guiding principle because if you divorce yourself from processed foods, from additives and preservatives and seed oils and refined sugar and refined flour, you are going to do an enormous, you're going to enormously benefit your health and also probably will have do a lot towards losing weight as well. That's the first step is the real food. And the second part is, of course, if you do have a weight loss goal, if you've got elevated insulin, insulin resistance, type 2 diabetes, then picking low-carb versions of real foods is what you need to do in order to heal your metabolism. Step one, real food. Step two, low-carb real food. In that order. 
And so, yes, the people who are for various reasons want to be on a plant-based diet and if they want to do that and it works for them, then it can be absolutely fine. You do need to be cautious about certain nutrients such as iron and B12 and you may well need to supplement for those. But you can eat a low-carb, real food diet that's plant-based. You can if you supplement with B12 and probably iron as well. And then the carnivore diet, absolutely interesting. Some people go on a carnivore diet and do really well. I actually don't have particularly extreme views one way or the other. I think the carnivore diet can work well. Again, it is real food. If you pick real foods, um, you know, fish, meat, seafood, then people can do really, really well on it. I have got some reservations though with people being plant-based and carnivore uh, and or carnivore they're not going to be both at the same time yeah i am i'm a plant-based carnivore yeah <laughs> don't be <laughs> so, <laughs> i do have i do have some reservations with people being purely plant-based in their diet or purely carnivorous in their diet in that you know, from an ancestral point of view, we humans evolved to eat both animal and plant foods and that we tend to get our most optimum nutrition when we eat both. But go back to point A from this podcast, there is no one perfect human diet and some people do really well on a carnivore diet. Some people do really well on a plant-based diet and if people are doing it and loving it, I'm not going to dissuade them. I encourage people to eat low-carb, real food, if weight loss is their goal. Absolutely. So, Mez, what would be your final result, advice on the you know, perfect human diet? Given that there is no one perfect diet, my advice is to... Eat a diet that is based on your metabolism and your goals. If your goal is to improve your metabolic health, then eating a diet that is made up of real food that are low in carbohydrates, are low-carb, real food, will be in line with your metabolism and your goals. Wonderful. I think we've said it so many times, but it is our passion, low-carb real food. Do you know, Mayors, we have got a little mini course on this, if anyone is interested. It's called The First Steps to Real Health and Weight Loss, and we do break it down a little bit more about what, you know, in our sort of funny, quirky style, about how to incorporate it into your life. The changes when people adopt a real food approach. Now, again, it doesn't mean that you can never, ever, ever have anything processed. It's about the idea that the majority of your intake of food is real. And if every now and then you have something that's processed, well, our body is extremely forgiving and will sort it out for you. So I think that's probably... All we've got to say on this topic at this stage. Again, we always like to review the science. Things will come up, things will come forward. And I guess that's the key really to being a good doctor is being open-minded to the fact that science is always evolving 
a situation is always evolving and we need to keep up with the times and not sort of become tied down to dogma. Mez, I'll see you next week for next week's episode. Have a wonderful day. You too. Can't wait. Bye, everybody. So, my lovely listeners, that ends this episode of Real Health and Weight Loss. I'm Dr. Lucy Burns. And I'm Dr. Mary Barson. We're from Real Life Medicine. To contact us, please visit rlmedicine.com. And until next time, thanks thanks for for listening. listening.